0: and shake at the sound of jesus name lives made whole hearts awake at the sound of jesus name
1: Good morning. We are so glad to have you here with us today. We're so glad to see you here in the house of the Lord. And so we'd like to ask for you to stand and join us as we continue in worship and sing songs, um, thanking him for all that he is to us and for all of the blessings he gives to us. Stand and sing with us.
0: Let him turn it in your favor Watch him work it for your good He's not done with what he started He's not done until it's good Hello peace, hello joy hello love hello strength hello hope it's a new horizon hello peace hello This is not my story. You are, you are, heartbreak's not my home. Goodbye, Grape. It's a new horizon.
2: story
1: pray together. Precious God, we thank you so much for this time and this place where we can pour out our hearts to you, where we know that you are with us and you are filling us and that we have freedom in you, and God, that you will take away the sickness and the heartbreak and the fear and that you give us peace, and so Lord, right now, after long, busy weeks, in hard weeks, and good weeks, we ask that you calm our hearts and our minds and that you help us stay present in this moment to hear what you need us to hear, to learn what you need us to learn, and to comfort where you need us comforted. We are thankful for you, and we are thankful for today. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: There may be churches with bigger crowds in their contemporary service than we do, but there's not one with a better band. That's outstanding. That's just good stuff. Thank you very much. Mm. Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on. Good morning, everybody. Gee whiz, come on. You're not dead. We're just in church. Come on. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and joining us. It is a beautiful day, and it's a good time for us to be able to be together. If you're here for the first time, there should be a Connect card in your pew rack in front of you. If you'll take that and fill it out, drop it in our offering plate, we'll be in touch with you. If you've got prayer concerns, things that are weighing on you right now, put it on that same card and write it out. And then tell us how you want us to respond. We'll pray for you or we'll be in touch with you, but we promise that we will respond in whatever way that you want us to. But we're glad that you have chosen to come out today. This is Veterans Day weekend, and so we want to thank all of our veterans, people that have served. There's a reason why we get to come to the church and not be harassed. It's because of people like the, our veterans that have supported us and that have stood between us and people that would want to take that freedom away from us. So make sure that if you know veterans during the course of this weekend, that you let them know that we are thankful for them and for the, for the work that they have done have done here. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. God, let your spirit be upon us as we gather in this place today. I thank you for all of the veterans that have served in our armed forces. We know that many of them paid a high price in their lives, both emotionally and physically, to, to serve our country. And so we ask a special blessing upon them during this time. Let your grace be upon them. Help them to know that their lives are appreciated by you and they're appreciated by all of us. Help us to not take for granted the price that they pay to do what they do and help us not to take for granted the freedom that their service has brought to us over these 200 plus years. There has been a long stream of people who have given their lives in service to our country, and some of them gave their lives for our country. We ask you, O Lord, to help us to be thankful for them today, and we ask you to help us to focus our hearts and our minds upon them at this time and to remember them and to realize that we have been blessed by what they have done. We come here, O Lord, because we are approaching the Thanksgiving season, and so we are reminded that we are a people who should be giving thanks. It's not always easy to give thanks in all circumstances, but you have a plan around that as well. Help us to see that plan, to feel that plan, to experience that plan as we gather together today. For it is in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. We have come here because we are headed towards the Thanksgiving season. It is one of the most exciting times of the course of the year. There's nothing but holidays during the three months. It starts at the end of October and goes right on through the Advent and Christmas seasons. And we are headed toward one of those right now. We enjoy this season. It's by far my wife's favorite holiday, and it is the favorite holiday of a lot of people. There are only two nations on the planet that celebrate Thanksgiving officially, and that's the United States and, and Canada. Canada traces its time back to a date, but they are really not sure if that's when the, 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 their celebration of Thanksgiving began or not. Our state is kind of that way as well. Most of the history books say that the first Thanksgiving celebration was held by the pilgrims in 1621. Virginia takes issue with that. We say that it happened in Jamestown in 1618. That is actually a fact. However, the pilgrims apparently had a better PR firm than we did. And so, history now says that it happened in 1621 when William Bradford declared that they had had a wonderful harvest during the course of that summer and that they needed to give thanks to Almighty God for it. The year before, they'd had a terrible harvest, and if it hadn't been for a bumper crop of pumpkins, the entire colony would have died. A number of them did die of starvation, but the majority of them did not because of that bumper crop of pumpkins, and so they wanted to give thanks for God for the harvest that He had given them. Aren't you glad that you're here this morning? If you're ever on Jeopardy, you've got the answer to the question. If that question comes up, you're welcome. By the way, this is exactly why my daughter looks at me and she says, and this is a direct quote, my dad is a font of useless information. Anyway, the second year the pilgrims were in America, they had a better harvest than they had had before. And so, Bradford declared that they were going to hold a feast to thank God for their blessings. And they did that every year for several years until something happened that changed all of that. And that something was that New England suddenly became prosperous. And when they did they stopped holding their Thanksgiving celebrations. It's a sad fact of human nature and it's a sociological fact worldwide that the more prosperous and successful a person or a society becomes the less interested they are in serving and worshiping God. That's what happened to the pilgrims. The more money they made, the less interested they were in Thanksgiving. So, by the 1700s, Thanksgiving had virtually disappeared from our country. However, in 1822, things started to change thanks to a widow from New Hampshire by the name of Sarah Hale. If you look at Sarah Hale's life, it would seem like that she might not be the person who would have started championing a Thanksgiving holiday. Sarah married a lawyer by the name of David Hale in 1813. Over the next nine years, they had five children. They had a really good life. But then after her fifth child was born, her husband just dropped dead one day. I think he was in his late 30s at the time. She had no idea how she was going to support her large family. However, unlike Most women of that day and age, Sarah was very well educated and she knew that she was a good writer. Sarah's husband had been a Freemason and so she went to his lodge and she convinced them to help her publish a book of poetry. And that book of poetry was extremely popular. So she published several other books, both of poetry and a couple of novels, one of which became a very important novel in the abolitionist movement. And then, she founded what became the most popular magazine for women in America. It was very creatively entitled, Ladies Magazine. When Sarah Hale's husband died in 1822, Sarah struggled mightily during that first year. By 1825, she was a nationally acclaimed author. By 1833, she was one of the wealthiest women in America, and she was America's first female entrepreneur. But unlike a lot of people who became successful, unlike a lot of people who became prosperous in their lives, Sarah was an extremely generous person, and she was an extraordinarily thankful person for the blessings that had come to her. In fact, she was an extraordinarily thankful person to God even before she had her success in life. In 1822, and keep in mind that was the year that her husband had died and before she had any of her success, in 1822 Sarah Hale started a campaign for a national holiday called Thanksgiving. For 40 straight years she wrote every governor in the country and she wrote every president during that time and she asked them to declare a national day of Thanksgiving but it never happened until President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed that the last Thursday in November would be a national day of Thanksgiving. However, what's interesting about that is if you look at Abraham Lincoln's life during that time, he might have been the last person you would think would have declared a national day of Thanksgiving. It didn't seem like that there was a whole lot to be giving thanks for during that time. The country was right in the middle of the Civil War. The North was losing the Civil War right at that point. Lincoln's entire cabinet had turned against him. They were making fun of him in public. Everybody thought Lincoln was going to lose the next presidential election. Lincoln's wife was being investigated by his political enemies for treason and for misappropriation of White House funds. And perhaps worst of all for Lincoln himself, his 11-year-old son Willie had died just nine months earlier. Earlier. His children all knew that Lincoln loved them, but they all knew that Willie was his favorite. It was a terrible time in his life. There wasn't anybody who had more burdens, more struggles, and more personal depression in 1863 than Abraham Lincoln had. And yet, when the country was so divided that it was literally killing each other, and when Lincoln was so brokenhearted that he literally went for two hours a day sat down beside his son's grave and cried openly weeping for the son that he had lost. It was right at that point during the worst of circumstances for the country and for his personal life, it was then President Lincoln declared a national day of thanksgiving. Why did he do that? Well, I think Lincoln did that because he knew the country needed to be reminded of its blessings. In 1863 nearly 400,000 Americans had already died in that war and they had all been killed by other Americans. Half of the country was being destroyed. The country lost almost half of its economy when the South seceded. And almost 400,000 families were grieving at least one death during that time. There had never been a time in American history when people felt like they had less to be thankful for, but in 1863 Lincoln declared a day of thanksgiving because he wanted to remind everybody that even in the worst of times there's something to be thankful for. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances... For this is the will of God in Jesus Christ." The Apostle Paul, Sarah Hale, and Abraham Lincoln had at least three things in common. They knew what it was like to suffer, they all knew what it was like to grieve, and they knew there was something profoundly healthy about giving thanks even in the worst of circumstances. In fact, Paul believed having an attitude of gratitude was the antidote to worry. It was the antidote to fear. It was the antidote to bitterness in life. If you want to change your attitude toward life, take an inventory of what you have to be grateful for. What do you have to be thankful for in this season of thankfulness? Just before this last round of elections, I was talking to a friend of mine. We were talking about immigration, and we both agreed that the immigration laws desperately needed to be changed, but he's kept talking about immigration for a while, a little longer than I wanted to talk about it honestly, and he finally ended it by saying, as bad as things are in our country right now, I don't know why anybody would want to come here. A lot of people seem to be saying that these days, but I think they're saying that because they've forgotten how blessed our country truly is. They've become so fixated on what is wrong with our country that they have forgotten that we have a lot to rejoice about in this country. There's a lot that we have to be proud of. Yes, we have our problems, but it's still the best place in the world to live and, and it's America is still seen across the globe as the land of opportunity. There are less barriers to being successful in this country than just about anywhere else on earth. We have a free country, nobody is getting tortured here, nobody gets sent to prison for their political views. We get to go to church on Sunday morning and not worry about whether somebody's gonna burst in here and put us in prison for having gathered for worship. We have the highest standard of living of any other nation in the world, and we're by far the most productive nation on the planet. Some politicians say, particularly one politician says, we don't make anything in America anymore. Well, the cold and hard fact of the matter is 60% of everything that's sold in America is made in America, and that percentage has been going up in recent years, not down. Over 80% of the world's wealth is held in America. It may be good, it may be bad, but it's still a fact. Yes, we have our problems, but we have a lot to give thanks for, and we need to give thanks. But we also need to remember the people that aren't rejoicing today. Chronic poverty is, is, is a huge problem in America. Homelessness is a growing problem in America Child and spouse abuse is a growing problem in America. Public funding for higher education has been dropping since the 1980s and it's dropped like a rock since 1998 in Virginia. If something doesn't change there within another 25 years, it's going to be very hard for people who are not fairly wealthy to send their kids to college. And that is a terrible omen for the future of our country because nothing helps a country rise better than an educated populace. One of the worst things that we have that we need to face in our country is that America leads the world in deaths due to gun violence. Even if you take it by percentage of population, we still lead the world in deaths by gun violence by triple digits. And we know that one all too well in Blacksburg, Virginia. In fact, it's been a sad week in Blacksburg. Two teenagers died in our town this week. One kid killed another kid, and then the first... the the, the kid that killed the other one took their own life. Two families are grieving in our community. One of those families feel very embarrassed and rejected right now. The students and faculty at Blacksburg High School are stressed and they're bewildered that something like that could possibly happen in their community. And a lot of potential for God and for the world is about to get buried under the earth in the next few days. And sadly, this isn't new to us in Blacksburg. Since 2006, we've had three police officers killed in our town. That's the most of any town our size in Virginia. We've had one of the biggest mass shootings in history. If I stood here and told you all of the events that I've been involved with as a police chaplain in the last 17 years, some of you would say, I didn't even know about that. Some of you would say, I didn't remember that that happened, but I can promise you folks I remember it because I stood right in the middle of it. I had to deal with the situation and the aftermath that went with it. There are a lot of people who aren't rejoicing and giving thanks this season. But the Apostle Paul said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. How do you rejoice and give thanks when you're facing the kind of circumstances that we've had this past week? Well, you can't give thanks for the circumstance itself, but you can give thanks for what's come out of the circumstances. Once again, our community came together. We've rallied together to lift each other up and try to support one another. We had a rally just last night at the high school that was very well attended, and people were trying their best to lift one another up in that situation. This past week, over 200 students showed up at a prayer vigil that was held at 730 in the morning at the high school. And that prayer vigil was organized by students, and it was led by students. I heard students and faculty and even the school resource officer give thanks for all the things that they have seen and heard over the last few days from students at BHS. Serenity Holly's dad has talked a lot in the last week about his, his seeing the hand of God in the situation that he has been in. Serenity was very involved in a church in Christiansburg, very involved in the youth program there. Her parents didn't go to church at all for a lot of years. A few years ago, Serenity came home one day and her dad asked her why she liked going to that church so much. And he said, by the time she got finished telling me how much she loved her church and how much her faith meant to her, he said, I suddenly realized I needed to give my life to Jesus. How many people have such a powerful faith Faith as a teenager that they lead their daddy to Jesus. A lot of potential is going to be buried tomorrow. Even when the circumstances are terrible, we can still find a lot to give thanks for if we look for it, and we need to look for it because giving thanks reminds us of how blessed we truly are. Yes, some of us have personal problems. Some of us are very sad. Our country has problems, and we need to face those problems. But For most of us, our blessings far outweigh our problems if we'll take an inventory. And even if they don't, our God is a God who has promised to meet us in the circumstances, to give us the strength to keep going through them. He's promised that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, even when the circumstances that we're facing are our own fault. We need to focus on our blessings today because focusing on our blessings reminds us of the source of our blessings. It reminds us that even if the circumstances are not what we wanted them to be, our God loves us, and giving thanks reminds us of that. Phyllis Wolfert tells a story about opening gifts on Christmas Day at her house said all of her family had gathered there. They were all opening their gifts and having a really good time. One of the gifts that she opened had been given to her by her husband. She said it was a really pretty gold lapel pin. said she looked at it and thought it was really nice. And she said, but I had all kinds of presents around me that it was still to open and I was watching everybody else. And she said, so I turned around to my husband and I said, thank you for giving me this. And she said, then I put it aside and I went on and I opened all the rest of my gifts. About a week later, Phyllis got that pen out to wear it to church. And it was then that she noticed how truly beautiful this was. It was obvious that it was antique. It was solid gold and it had beautiful, very high quality gemstones all around it. Phyllis looked at it for about a minute or so, and then she went into the kitchen. She thanked her husband again for giving her this beautiful pen. When she did, he told her that that lapel pin had belonged to his grandmother. His grandfather wanted to give his grandmother something truly special and truly beautiful on their wedding day, but he didn't have the money to do it. So he had saved pennies and nickels for 20 years, and then he bought her that lapel pin. He gave it to her on Christmas Day, the year that she turned 40 years old and his grandmother wore that pen every single day of her life from age 40 until she died at age 92. Phyllis's husband inherited that pen when his grandmother died, and he had saved it to give it to Phyllis on Christmas Day on the year that she turned 40 years old. Phyllis said, I knew that lapel pen was beautiful, but I had no idea how much love that pen represented And I never would have known if I hadn't taken the time to say thank you more than once. Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why? Because giving thanks reminds us of how important life is and what we can learn from it. Giving thanks reminds us of God, and you can't give thanks to God without discovering God's love. And God's love can take the common, the, the mundane, it can take the broken, it can take the senseless, and it can turn it into the circumstances where we see opportunity for joy, for peace, for kindness, even for hope. Let's claim an attitude of gratitude. Today, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, let's claim an attitude of gratitude and let's give our hearts to Jesus because His love can change everything for the better no matter what we're facing. Let's pray Him. Lord, we can't thank You for the circumstances that we have faced this week, but we can thank You for all of the blessings that we've seen through it. We can thank you for the testimonies of faith that we have heard. We can thank you for for the grace that has come our way. We can thank you for the people who have helped lift each other up. And we can thank you, O Lord, that no matter what we are facing and no matter what's going on in life, you are there and you care about us. Help us, O Lord, to claim you as we come here. Help us to come to you and say thank you, not just one time, but many times, Because every time we do, we learn something new. Help us, Lord, to realize that you are what we need in our lives to help us to be able to be thankful in the circumstances of life. Help us to be able to come to you and say, Lord Jesus, I know that you are what I need. And so I want to thank you in advance for coming into my life. I am inviting you to come and live within me today. Forgive me of my sin of trying to push you out of my life and help me to be the best that I can for you with you living within my heart to guide me. Help us to pray the prayers that make the difference today, O Lord. And help us to be a thankful people for the blessings that we have and for the ones that are still to come. For it is in your name we offer a prayer. Amen.
1: If you're able, stand and worship with us as we end our service.
2: Bless the Lord. No oh.
3: Thank you for coming and joining us here today in this time of worship. Remember the angel tree that you see over to my left? We are trying to make sure all of these needs disappear. They are all from our mission center, the community that we minister to at the Adams Mark community. We know all of these people personally, and we know the needs that they have. And so we ask you to take a tree and take a tree. You can take the whole tree if you want to, take an angel off of that tree and uh, and purchase what's there and bring it back to us. We would appreciate that. Martha and Stallings will be down here to answer any questions that you have about it and to give you the procedure for this. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you everyone.